Part 8 Joshua wanted to die. They had been digging for almost two hours, sinking the blades of their shovels into the clay dirt with increasingly flagging energy, making their way down toward the coffin. Simon was furious, somehow surprised by this necessity, and Gabrielle had almost driven him away with her teasing. Now, the two of them stood in a deep and ragged hole, nothing like the neat rectangle that most coffins were lowered into. Down and down, muscles aching and feeling liquid at the same time, breath rasping, sweat stinging their eyes and slicking their shirts to their backs. Blisters had formed across his palms, and the small of his back was on fire. This was hell, and he couldn't even tell how much deeper they had to go. With a curse, he stood and leaned back, hands on his hips, wincing as he tried to crack his back, achieve some release from the pain and pressure that had built above his sacrum. His eyes were now level with the dirt. They must be right on the damn thing, he thought, and looked around, searching for Gabrielle. There, lying on a small mausoleum, little more than a stone coffin extruded from the earth, fingers interlaced behind her head, one knee raised, looking up at the cloud cover that obscured the moon. He studied her, languid and at ease. Simon had protested at her not taking her turn, but she had just laughed and walked away. Joshua tried to picture her digging and failed. Crunk. He turned and looked at Simon, who gave him a huge and unexpected grin of delight. In that moment, Joshua felt a surge of relief and happiness, his knees nearly buckling. Thank God, he said and took up his shovel. You're telling me, said Simon, lifting his shovel once more and bringing it down. Crump. I swear, five more minutes and I was about to quit. Sure you were, said Joshua, smiling grimly as he dug his shovel laterally across the spot Simon had hit, removing a thick layer of compacted dirt. He tossed the soil out and then bent down to run his fingers over the exposed area. Scratched and filthy, it was the Peace Kingdom coffin, all right. Had she been buried in the deluxe? No. Her family had failed to raise the $15,000. This was the regular $8,500 model. He wiped the dirt away. Where on the coffin were they? With a groan, he looked up at Simon. What? asked Simon, suddenly worried. We need to clear the whole surface, said Joshua. For some reason, I didn't realize. So we're not done? Simon looked like he wanted to cry. Joshua stood up. Just how much earth had they already moved? This little break had allowed the cold to begin to seep in, his muscles to begin to cramp. No, we need to dig out the sides. Come on. Let's finish this. Five more minutes. It took them twenty. Gabrielle drifted over, attracted by the sound of their shovels occasionally hitting the coffin, and stood, peering down, hands on her hips. Finally, Joshua threw his shovel out of the hole and knelt down to trace the contours of the coffin lid, dug his fingers down, searching for the seam, and then curled his finger around the lid. He gestured for Simon to stand on the lower half and looked up at Gabrielle. Ready? Oh, yes. She said, voice low, husky. Let's open her up. Joshua took a deep breath and then heaved. The lid came up an inch, ground to a stop. He strained, then let go. Must be dirt in the hinges or something, he guessed, moving to the far side. He wiped more soil clear, throwing scoops aside, and then reached out again to yank it up. No good. Sitting back on his heels, he looked from Gabrielle to Simon. They were both watching him, expectant, as if he were the grave-digging expert. Biting the inside corner of his mouth, he considered the coffin. To raise the forward half, he had to crouch on the lower, limiting the amount of strength he could exert through the awkwardness of his position. Now, if he could tie a rope to the handle on the lid, and if they all pulled from outside the grave... 
A minute later, they had all taken hold of the nylon rope, wrapping it around their fists and looping it behind their elbows. Lined up as if for a game of tug-of-war, Simon counted to three, and they all hauled back. At first, there was little give, and then, with terrible, grinding reluctance, the lid lifted up, setting them to staggering back as resistance disappeared. As one, they rushed forward toward the hole's edge, and Simon snatched up his maglite to direct a disk of white light down into the coffin's interior. No body, as they knew, the small insectile camera inserted in the open lid, but there, in the center, a second ragged hole, torn up from below. The shredded padding, the splintered boards, white gooey stuff cut and scraped along its edges, about the size of a manhole, dropping straight down and out of sight. Holy shit, said Simon. Joshua realized that he hadn't actually believed that there would be a second hole, had thought on some basic level that it had been a hoax, but no, there it was. Something had come up from below for the corpse, had taken it down into the depths. Suddenly, following after it seemed like a really bad idea. As if sensing the change in resolve amongst the two men, Gabrielle stepped forward and dropped down into the grave. Her feet hit the closed lower half of the coffin with an echoing thud, and she looked up at them. She was tall enough that her head was yet above ground level. Rope, she said, extending her hand to Simon. He stared at her, eyes blank, and then simply dug a coil out from where his backpack lay and handed it down to her. She knelt down on the lid and trained her light down the hole, leaning over to peer into the depths. Joshua restrained an urge to grab hold of her, to pull her back, away. This wasn't safe. This wasn't a good idea. They should call the cops, the authorities, let them deal with this. He remembered the strange, wrinkled hands, the thick nails, curved and heavy like small shovels. All right, said Gabrielle. I think it only goes down about ten feet or so before leveling out. She unwound the rope and dropped most of it down the hole, stood and handed the other end to Joshua. Tie this around something solid. He nodded, blinking furiously and looked about, froze. Was there somebody behind that mausoleum? He stared, suddenly numb with panic, but nothing else moved. Silence. A shadow. He looked up. Clouds were undulating before the moon. Joshua, let's go, said Gabrielle, voice sharp with impatience. He nodded shook himself and moved to a slender tree about five yards to one side. Bare branches, little more than a sapling, but strong enough to hold them. Looped the rope around it once, twice, and then tied it off, giving it three hard tugs, and then turned. It's tied. Good. Gabrielle's face was pale in the gloom, but he could sense her, the excitement, the energy she was giving off. I'm going to go down first, then Simon. Joshua, you come last. Cameras, out. I want you to film my going in. I'll go first, said Joshua, though it was the last thing he wanted to do. The very last, but how could he allow Gabrielle to go ahead? She was a lady. He had to. Heart fluttering in his chest, he stepped up to the hole's edge and peered down. Gabrielle hadn't even bothered to respond. Instead, she had stepped down into the coffin itself and then sat down, extended her legs below the lower half of the lid that yet lay closed and trapped beneath the dirt and shot them both a wide, exultant grin. This is better than sex, she said, and then scooted forward so that her legs dropped into the hole, turned onto her stomach and wriggled so that she was halfway in, bent at the waist, and then, holding tight onto the rope, disappeared entirely into the darkness. Her flashlight, said Joshua, feeling thick. 
she hasn't turned it on. Simon swore and clambered awkwardly down into the hole, landing on the coffin with far less grace than Gabrielle. Camera in one hand, he took his flashlight and trained it down the hole, giving Gabrielle light. Joshua watched from the grave's edge, his stomach a knot of greasy fear. You see her? Of course I see her, said Simon, not looking up. She's about six, maybe eight feet down. You okay down there, Gabrielle? Joshua heard a muffled response, waited, closed his eyes. This was ridiculous. This was insane. Somehow, though, they had passed the point of no return. Gabrielle had gone in. He couldn't leave now. Couldn't leave her down there without his protection. He had to go. He had to. Sound from below. Gabrielle's voice badly distorted. Simon sighed, shook his head. This is fucked. All right, get down here and film me going in. He repeated Gabrielle's method, sitting down in the coffin and then lowering his legs into the splintered hole. What is this white goo? He asked, face wrinkling in disgust. Monster cum? Joshua descended with a small avalanche of dirt, steadied himself. No, it's probably just Mary Ellen. Oh, said Simon, looking like he was about to faint for a moment. Oh. Then, with a huge breath, he lay down, wriggled onto his stomach, and disappeared. Joshua leaned over the edge of the coffin lid and trained both camera and light on the top of Simon's head. He was gripping the rope and making his way down in nervous bursts and starts, rocking from side to side as he went. A second light from below, Gabrielle looking around. Joshua restrained an urge to call out, ask what she saw. He'd find out soon enough. Then, Simon was down and it was his turn. He stood, looked around, one last breath of fresh night air. He closed his eyes, tried to calm down. His stomach was so tight he thought he might vomit, lose all the Chinese food from the Panda Express dinner he'd forced himself to eat. Why had he chosen Chinese? He hesitated, took another deep, last breath, and then stepped down into the Peace Kingdom. The smell was of the soil, thick and pungent, and a mixture of faint, less savory odors. The sickly sweet miasma of the corpse sunk into the padding. Despite his care, Mary Ellen would have leaked all over the coffin as she deliquesced. That was, he supposed, part of the appeal of coffin cam. He put his flashlight and camera in his backpack, sat down, knees against his chest, and then slid his legs under the lid. His feet passed over the ragged edge of the hole and dropped down. His stomach tightened with another twist and he felt his gorge rise. The Peace Kingdom was a damn solid coffin. It would take real strength to burst through it. Those hands. Those claws. He closed his eyes and forced himself to lie back. He'd pretended to be a corpse once or twice when he first arrived at Peaceful Acres, lying in some of the different coffins and crossing his hands over his chest, Count Dracula style. This was nothing like that. The sky above had become more luminous. Legs hanging down in the hole, he tried to breathe lightly so as not to inhale too much stench and wriggled his ample ass down, digging with his elbows for traction. Splinters and edges of wood dug into his hamstrings, then poked sharply at his ass. He'd have to flip over now, look away from the sky. His coffin was tiny. He hated small spaces. He couldn't breathe. That sweet smell, the crusty feel of the fabric beneath his hands... Breath hitching, he turned around, legs extending awkwardly out until he was able to bend at the hips and lower them, toes kicking into the sides of the tunnel and dislodging dirt. 
He felt himself begin to slip, to slide back and into the hole, and with a panicked scramble, he sought the rope. Where was it? He'd forgotten all about it, fixated on the hole, on getting into the coffin. His belly caught on the hole's edge. He teetered, and then his hands closed around the slick nylon cord, held fast. Heart hammering, he heard Simon yell something up from below. Ignored him. Stay focused. Hands clenching the rope, he squirmed back into the depths of the coffin. The night, thicker around here. No longer night, but just plain darkness, thick and cloying. The smell in his nose, oiling his sinuses. He'd smelled awful stenches before, but this was something else. Hips went over the edge, and with a panicked slither he caught himself on his elbows, hands already aching. Now! Go now! So, without allowing himself to think, he dropped down over the edge and began to descend. Can't get enough of my buttery, silky voice? Head over to iTunes and search for Paul Guyette so you can check out the audio version of Philip Tucker's The Grind Show, the frenetic demon-hunting romp that critics have described as Neil Gaiman being dragged through the desert by Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez, as well as Digressive Obscenity, a new podcast that's been nominated for the 2013 Geeky Awards. Put me in all your ears.